this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast india's finance minister ms nirmala sitaraman recently addressed indian industry captains urging them to step up investments in the country with confidence she also asked them why they were like lord hanuman who had to be reminded of his own strength why did she make this appeal what is the status of private investment in india the government had budgeted for higher public spending this fiscal year but could this have come earlier to help crowd in private investment we have with us today dr niranjan rajyadyaksha ceo and senior fellow at artha global and previously the research director at idfc institute thank you niranjan for being with us today really appreciate your setting up our time for us uh thank you bharat for inviting me to your podcast so uh, the finance minister ms nirmala sitaraman recently asked industry to step up investments urging confidence among them saying like hanuman they did likely did not know their own strength why do you think she said that is there some concern from the government that not enough is happening despite overtures that the government has been showing yeah so uh, i think that the reason why the finance minister would be concerned about the state of private investment is that you know if you look at the other drivers of economic growth right now there are like amber uh, you know amber lights flashing so the export story will be under threat because of the overall global slowdown the government's ability to support uh, domestic demand also as the fiscal deficit is brought down that is uh, limited and uh, you know private consumption also because of the k shaped recovery it's only concentrated in some parts of uh, the income pyramid so i think generally two things one is that indian private sector investment has been weak for almost a decade and you know everyone's hoping it would revive soon and number two given the state of current state of the drivers of domestic demand i think it's very important for uh, private sector investment to pick up the government has especially the central government has done a fair bit in trying to increase its capex but uh, you know central government or government as a whole including psus accounts for barely 20 25% of the entire capex in the country so it's only there's only so much a government can do uh, private sector investment has to pick up so i suppose that must be the background against her uh, you know her comment should be seen okay you touched upon a lot of points that oh, i was you know hoping to ask my subsequent questions but i'm sure we can look at some granularity if we take a step back and look at some part of our uh, economic history i think um, if i'm not mistaken capital formation private capital formation peaked in 2011 12 fy 11 12 and then on it's been a decline for various reasons we've had uh, you know black swan events and so on and so forth do you think additional public investments in the early years of this dispensation you know to, to maybe 14 15 and uh, later could have helped lead private capital formation even though you talked about public spending being a small part a fraction of overall uh, capital formation uh, this typically leads or crowds in private investment is the economic belief and sustained public investment for about half a decade is what gives the confidence to the private sector to come in and say let's do it too so obviously i think we have to uh, completely correct that in 
private uh, just generally the investment cycle peaked in india both private and public i think that uh, you know in 2015 16 a lot of focus at that time was was on normalizing the fiscal deficit if you remember after the scare of 2013 when india had this very large fiscal deficit and a very large current account deficit uh, i think the focus in those years was to uh, bring back macroeconomic balance uh, i think the second thing also is that uh, at that point of time you know the private sector itself was hobbled with very large debt etc so uh while public investment i agree with you sort of has to lead uh, very often the lead the investment cycle uh even if they had wished to do a lot of spending in uh, those years uh, 16 17 etc i doubt the private sector financial uh, position was robust enough to support a recovery in uh, in the in the private sector investment activity so bharat if you may can i just uh, i make an additional point sure i think what the finance minister was talking about right basically uh, about tax rates being lowered about pli incentives etc that's always only one part of the private investment story in india i think there are several other factors which will drive private sector investment so there is the issue of capacity utilization if the private sector finds that demand is uh or the current uh, capacity is more than enough to meet uh demand in the immediate future there's no reason for them to invest uh as i mentioned earlier the company financials are important you know especially uh the leverage ratios uh, and the ability to generate uh, free cash flow and another one is business confidence you know this uh, entire issue of animal spirits just uh, the psychology of uh, the business environment so i think even if uh, you consider uh, the fact that tax rates have come down and now there are these incentives under the pli scheme uh, there are other f- factors which will uh, sort of play into the into the trend of uh, private sector investment understood so if we look and i know it's such a small microcosm and it may be difficult to extrapolate but if we look at the last few months or maybe a year since we started you know began to get out of the you know real big impact of the pandemic you know if you look at auto sales you know they've had a you know good year you know it could also be pent up demand that sort of distributes itself over a period of 12 months and i don't know if that's the case at all but uh, some macroeconomic indicators seem to be healthy even though there've been hiccups you know one month you have some good you know figures and then the subsequent three months it's not so good if i look at iip or co sector growth and so on inflation of course is a huge challenge for us but uh, given that our recovery from the pandemic has earned praise even from the likes of the imf uh, saying we are one bright uh, spot in the gloomy global economy uh do you think that consumption you talked about animal spirits if consumption demand you know is it set to go up so that capacities can be filled and then uh, fresh capacity investments would be around the corner would you get that sense uh yeah so i agree with what you said i think the way the government managed the uh, recovery from the pandemic and the actual outcome of the way india has recovered is quite impressive yeah there as i said there are certain parts of the economy where uh, consumption demand has been uh, pretty strong but 
you know, that we do have this issue of the K-shaped recovery. If you see that the labor markets have uh, recovered much more slowly than the rest of the economy, as the CMI data shows, uh, income growth at the lower end, you know, if you look at the data on rural wages, for example, that's lagged inflation. So uh, there are certain pockets of the economy where demand has definitely been very impressive. And perhaps in those particular sectors, you may see uh, some sort of capacity expansion. Uh, but I still feel that uh, we need a more uh, generalized or broad-based demand recovery. But if I may just share some data, so if the RBI publishes the capacity utilization numbers, you know, based on its survey of uh, businesses, and it's about you know seventy-two to seventy-five percent right now, which is much better than what it was during the pandemic when it had slipped to I think sixty-seven or sixty-eight percent. But my general thumb rule is that uh, the capex cycle really picks up when capacity utilization hits around seventy-eight or eighty percent. So. We are somewhere there, but not completely there. Okay, the seventy-five percent you quoted from the RBI's data is uh, capacity utilization, right? Yes, capacity. So, so it should be a matter of months, and you know, because I'm not aware how quickly we go in terms of percentage points, uh, depending on consumption demand. But looking at the way things have been going, um, even the FMCG sector seems to have seen some, uh, you know, good numbers compared to say twelve months. Uh, ended March. So in this context, it's a matter of months we before we hit 78-80% and then companies start looking at new capacity? I, I don't want to sort of hazard a guess in how many months, but I think that we are on the cusp of a revival in the private investment cycle. And uh, one is, you know, the capacity, excess capacity is now less than what it was. Uh, again, companies have deleveraged over the past five to seven years. The, what the finance minister was talking about, tax rates have come down and the PLI incentives are there. And generally, again, if you look at the uh, Reserve Bank of India business expectations uh, index, I think business confidence also is rising. So I think that uh, if I were to hazard a guess that, uh, you know, in the coming quarters, if not the coming months, the uh, private investment cycle should pick up unless there is some real outlier event which sets the entire global economy back. Okay. You also touched upon uh, jobs, uh, citing CMI data. And I think for the most recent month, the data is available. You know, unemployment seems to have tipped, which is a, a good sign. But, um, you know, people have talked about jobless growth rates and all that earlier in the past. I think even before the pandemic hit us, that was a concern that we weren't creating enough jobs compared with the number of people coming out of colleges and, uh, you know, keeping pace with the GDP growth rate. You know, and we looked at manufacturing. For instance, auto manufacturing has advanced, technology has advanced to such a level where there is far less manpower required for additional quantum of output because of, uh, you know, robotic processes that are involved. But now after the pandemic contacts, intensive services sector is growing. And, you know, yesterday's RBA bulletin also touched upon this uh, in the state of the uh, economy article. Um, given this, do you think we still have a concern when it comes to jobless growth or even if job additions are there, it wouldn't be adequate, but we'd still see GDP growth. So are there any concerns that you have in terms of gaps in the economy, even if our pace is pretty good in the coming month? 
Yeah, so I I agree with you that uh, you know I wouldn't use the word jobless growth. That's or the phrase jobless growth. That's perhaps a little extreme, but I think generally uh, India's ability to create high quality jobs along with its growth has been uh, not very impressive, right? And that's because of a range of reasons. As you say, there are you know some. uh industries where basically automation has picked up immensely so even if you put a new car factory there are only you know so many jobs which it can create uh but also i think we generally fail to capture the low end manufacturing uh, by you know which uh, china or vietnam or indonesia have done which is textiles garments etc so i think it's while the technology is changing i think it's also a lot depends on the type of investment which happens so just circling back to your question you know that if the investment is actually in more labor intensive activities it's much more uh, you know job creating than say in very labor uh, in a very capital intensive industries and i think uh, construction you know residential investment is a big part of the investment story as far as the national income accounts goes and i think you know construction or even the infrastructure projects which the government is rolling out these tend to be very labor intensive so one hopes that some of that will you know ease the labor market situation and also you know hopefully with some of these plis at least in the more labor intensive areas uh, we will uh, see uh, better job growth but i agree with your overall point that uh, job growth has been much weaker like if you want to use a technical term the elasticity of you know our uh, employment elasticity of our growth has been very weak okay and that probably has to do with skills uh, development i would imagine yeah it's a bunch of uh, problems absolutely okay it's interesting uh, you mentioned china and vietnam in your previous answer and one of my questions had to do with the china plus one strategy that uh, global you know multinational companies that have had investments in china but also looking to de-risk their supply chain and uh, you know the views that we've been getting from economists is that vietnam has probably run away with much of the additional investments that have come up uh, in terms of de-risking from china supply chains uh, do you see any uh, glimmer of hope for india because we you know we've done some things like a benign tax structure for uh newly announced manufacturing units and so on and so forth but we haven't seen a lot of investment here what would your view be there yeah so there's no doubt that vietnam has been the primary beneficiary right now and perhaps a few other countries like indonesia i would say but i think just if you look at the size or the potential size of the uh, rewiring of global supply chains uh, vietnam is definitely a much smaller country you know and i think uh, india is that one big country which can uh, you know play a big part in this china plus one strategy we are already seeing it in some areas we are seeing it like you know the this, uh, semiconductors people are interested or uh, mobile phone uh, assembly etc so i think that uh, while vietnam has definitely stolen a march uh, over us i think if we look at the scale of the possible change in the global production structure then uh, you need a country as big as india to absorb a lot of it uh, the second thing i you know i would just say is that while we have uh, you know attractive tax rates or even the pli incentives one of the things about 
what we've learned in the past 30 years is that exports and FDI are also linked. So it's not just about, uh, you know, a country wanting to export, but very often getting into supply chains requires uh, those important players to come in through, you know, the FDI route. So, uh, and for that also, India needs to keep import tariffs low. So it's a bunch of, again, things which will affect our ability to grab this opportunity. But uh, I think that, you know, this is a really, really big opening for India and I hope we capitalize on it. It's also interesting how your answers seem to be cascading into some of my subsequent questions because, you know, my next point was about FDI. Uh, FY22 saw some 84 billion and this year the government says it would cross 100 billion. So what is a healthy number for uh, GDP like India's? Uh, is 100, you know, something that we should feel happy about and we'll tie it into the exports point that you mentioned quickly. Yeah, so if you look at, uh, you know, most countries across Southeast Asia or, you know, East Asia, I think somewhere around 3 to 4% of um, GDP is a very impressive FDI number, you know. And uh, for India, you know, given the fact also that we have a trade gap, you know, so we need we need that foreign exchange coming, stable foreign exchange coming. So I think for a $3 trillion economy, $100 billion of FDI is uh, broadly a good number when you can always wish for more, you know, for it to go to 120, 125 billion. But I think this is a pretty decent performance. Uh, the only thing is, uh, you know, we have to be also, not that the government should uh, sort of target anything, but convincing of the fact that whether that FDI is, uh, which sectors it is coming into and also whether it is to create new capacity or buy existing assets. So, if a large company just comes and buys existing assets, uh, it's it's a financial transaction, but doesn't add to the productive capacity of the economy. Okay. But uh, given the external factors uh, that seem to be haunting us in terms of uh, threat of a global recession and so on, so our exports, even though we did some record exports uh, last year, ended March 2022, it's been somewhat muted if you look at the monthly data, whereas because of domestic demand, imports demand has been significant and, you know, the trade gap has been widening and too wide for comfort. Uh, given that and the fact that because the external factors, FDI, you said FDI and exports are linked, if that does not come in, so do we have to grit ourselves as a country for a year or two of uh, discomfort on both those counts, FDI and muted exports? Perhaps not FDI, because I think India is one of the bright investment spots. Uh, even if the economy slows down a bit, you are the bright investment spots in an overall sort of cloudy economy, global economy. But I think export growth is going to suffer. You know, uh, there, is, there is hard to believe that when most of the major economies in the world are headed for a recession, means the US, Europe, China, Japan, that India can actually continue to export at the same rate it was in the recent uh, quarters. So I think we will uh, get a hit on the export growth numbers. I'm not saying exports overall will come down, but the growth will should taper off. So in that sense, I think there is a difficulty on the ex external front. And I think, uh, you know, we, we would end up with a balance of payments deficit of around 100 to 120 billion dollars which is not a small sum you know because 
uh, capital flows are going to be affected and the trade deficit is going to widen. So I can't help asking this question, even though it's a bit of a tangent to our original topic. So which means you probably believe that the RBI should let the rupee depreciate. I'm sure they're intervening to smoothen the volatility. But that apart, if you let the rupee depreciate, then you know, hopefully we can stem the imports or demand for imports because they turn costlier and the trade balance is somewhat uh, restored. Would you believe that's the way to go? One word answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Would you, uh, you know, care to conjecture where the rupee would stop? Do you have a... No, no, no. That That is that is something I would never, you know, I mean, that, that's not a, a skill which I possess. But I think that given the fact that, uh, you know, we're going to run, uh, we're going to run a balance of payments uh, deficit uh, this fiscal year and perhaps uh, at least for the first half of next fiscal year, and there's only so much of foreign exchange you can keep selling from your foreign exchange reserves, although they're they're quite still it's a large stash. So I think some part of the adjustment has to be taken by the exchange rate. So uh, to answer that, that's why I said yes. You know, I think the rupee, the RBI should let the rupee also move down a bit. Okay. And before we close out our conversation, I just want to come back to our private investments point. You know, yesterday's data from uh, investment monitoring firm called Projects Today, it shows that overall investment plans, plans announced by companies uh, so far in this fiscal year have risen a healthy 36 odd percent. But the implementation rate of projects already announced had dropped sharply. Does this tie in with your uh, point about, you know, we still need to have consumption demand coming in? Is that the reason? Because otherwise, if companies didn't see consumption or demand going up, they wouldn't have announced it at all, was my thinking. But uh, if they had announced and are going slow, are there other factors, maybe ease of doing business? You know, we still, it's an uphill task for, you know, several uh, uh, sectors. You know, just from personal experience, I know of people who are trying to shut down very small, you know, micro companies. And that's traditionally a two-year process. And the pandemic has made that a four-year process. From the time you've finished with all the processes and you have your company's name struck, struck off from the register of companies, it's taken them four years and it's still not over. So do you have an opinion on these counts? Um, Bharat, unfortunately, I haven't seen this report, so I really wouldn't know. But I, I, I track the uh, CMI data a little more closely. And uh, that showed that investment intentions actually peaked in March 22, that, that quarter. And then they've come down. So around about March, the you know it seemed that that investment cycle which you uh, spoke about was really picking up speed. But then again, it's sort of you know trended downwards. Now we don't know whether this is some sort of uh, seasonal impact or what. But so then I think that the data is sort of perhaps contradictory. But uh, since I track the CMI numbers, uh, that's all I can hazard. You know, as a guess that. And there is at least some slowdown in investment intentions. Okay, so maybe a winter is coming, so no one knows about <laughs> you know, how much of, of the cold that we'll have to bear. That's interesting. Um, so I have covered uh, you know, a wide swath of points, uh, you know, exhausted my list of questions. Anything else you would have cared to dwell on to fill any gaps in our understanding? No, so just generally, I, I still feel that, you know, although we what we've discussed are the challenges right that well you know the k-shape recovery has led to you know consumption uh, st strengthening only in some parts of the uh, economy or 
the fact that the investment cycle, you know, although a lot of positive factors are aligned, it still hasn't taken off. We have the stress on the external front uh, right now. Not it's nothing scary, but you know there are concerns. Uh, but I still feel that overall India is very well placed. Uh, if you compare it, our neighbors obviously are fighting deep macroeconomic crises. But I think even if you look at the world around us, I think uh, we are in a pretty good place. You know, along with some you know emerging other emerging market countries. I would, as you mentioned, Vietnam and Indonesia. So uh, I think generally the medium term outlook is pretty good. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Naranjan. Really appreciate it. Very valuable, lucid, and crisp insights. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bharat. My pleasure. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.